Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Friends, draw close. Listen together. Sing together, pray together. Share the mysteries that never end, the silences that never cease. As we share and celebrate and worship and find comfort, one in all and all in each, may we feel and know that we are being understood better than we sometimes know and understand ourselves. Let us release to the winds our fears. Let us give to the world our faith. And may we give to life our thanks and our service forevermore. Words by Ben Downing. So welcome all of you to Sunday morning worship here at Essex Church in this, our community of Kensington Unitarians. It's good to see you this morning. And I light our chalice flame, which connects us with over 10,000 Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist congregations. And I light it for quiet, companionable times in community with others, when a gentle warmth connects us and brings us comfort. May we know the comfort of connectedness this day. And this brings us into a time of prayer and reflection in which I invite you to join. And um, our particular prayer will be um, followed by a prayer sent out by two groups, Christians for Equal Marriage and the delightfully named Queers for Jesus. And that prayer is for our Parliament, who will be voting on equal marriage legislation this coming Tuesday the 5th. So let us align ourselves now with that which we hold to be divine. As I call on the spirit of life and love shining within each of us to be here with us now, illuminating this, our time of worship, that insight and clarity may shine through us brightening our spirits and those all around us. We pray, though we may not feel sure who or what we pray to. Some speak of God or great mystery, of Lord or Goddess or the Divine. And some of us cannot put a name to something that is so vast and unknowable. Let us not be put off by this inability to name the nameless. No, let us be able in quiet moments such as this to allow ourselves a time of reflection. Allow ourselves the chance to relate with something that is greater than ourselves. To relate with something that encourages us to be the best we can possibly be and to make the most of this gift of life that we have been given. If there have been times in this week when you feel that you have been less than you would wish to be, 
times maybe when pettiness has shadowed your loving heart. Times when fears have arisen or bitterness has taken hold. Take this opportunity now, if you wish, to release all this and to rest once more in peace. So join me, if you will, in praying for all marriages and similarly committed, loving relationships, regardless of the gender of those involved. And praying for the success of legislation to give equal marriage rights to same-sex couples. Let us seek God's forgiveness for any occasions on which we have promoted prejudice against same-sex couples, whether by word or deed, or more often our silence. Let us pray for God's guidance for all those affected by this issue, all those involved in debates, whatever their views. And may we treat those who disagree with us with love and humility while standing up firmly for love and marriage as principles greater than social convention and lawmaking. And may this be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Giving thanks for socks. Perhaps our reluctance to thank things has to do with the distinctions we make. We distinguish the socks, inanimate, from the cotton plants, farmers and factory workers, animate, who created them. We may be willing to thank the latter, but to thank the former seems silly. Many Westerners who say grace are thanking God, not the food itself, for the meal. God deserves our thanks, but to thank the food would be strange. We'll thank the mechanic for repairing our car, but to thank the car directly for taking us to work seems absurd. As long as these distinctions hold up, we can remain safely within these boundaries of gratitude. But do they hold up? What are socks, anyway? Are they anything less than the life efforts of the plants and people who made them? A cotton plant's life is the source of these socks. Farmers, factory workers, delivery people, and others gave moments of their lives to make these socks. These socks are full of life. If I subtract all the life from the making of these socks, there would be nothing left. It is true that they do not have a heartbeat, but they serve me just the same. Acting most unselfishly, they go wherever I take them, shielding my feet and softening my steps upon the earth. I have several pairs of thick cotton socks 
that provide a cosy blanket against our bare wood floors during the icy Vermont winters. When I'm mindful of the service socks offer me and the efforts that, ma- that went into making them, I am thankful. Yet there is still this sticky problem of whether to say thanks to a pair of socks. The best reason I can offer for saying thank you to socks is that they deserve it. Doesn't anything that serves, supports and cares for us deserve a word of thanks? But here's another reason. Saying thank you to people and things will change your experience of life. Each moment we say thanks is a shift in our attention, a shift away from our self-centeredness towards others, a shift away from our problems and difficulties toward the support we are receiving from the world. Our attention is our life. Shifting our attention opens us to reality and reveals what has been there all along. Socks. God in hiding. A legend tells how at the beginning of time, God resolved to hide himself within his own creation. As God was wondering how best to do this, the angels gathered round him. I want to hide myself in my creation, he told them. I need to find a place that is not too easily discovered, for it is in their search for me that my creatures will grow in spirit and in understanding. Why don't you hide yourself deep in their earth, the first angel suggested. God pondered for a while, then replied, No, it will not be long before they learn how to mine the earth and discover all the treasures that it contains. They will discover me too quickly, and they will not have had enough time to do their growing. Why don't you hide yourself on their moon? A second angel suggested. God thought about this idea for a while and then replied, No, it will take a little longer, but before too long, they will learn how to fly through space. They will arrive on the moon and explore its secrets, and they will discover me too soon, before they have had enough time to do their growing. The angels were at a loss to know what hiding places to suggest. There was a long silence. I know, piped up one angel finally. Why don't you hide yourself within their own hearts? They will never think of looking there. That's it, said God, delighted to have found the perfect hiding place. And so it is that God hides secretly deep within the heart of every one of God's creatures until that creature has grown enough in spirit and in understanding to risk the great journey into the secret core of its own being. And there the creature discovers its creator and is rejoined to God 
for all eternity. And just a, a few thoughts from uh, a modern writer, Sam Keane, who wrote a book, Hymns to an Unknown God, which I would recommend to, to all of you. And uh, in this chapter, he's, he's looking at the history of theology. And he says, if you probe deeply into the history of theology, we discover that the most profound religious thinkers have suffered and enjoyed the same uncertainty that we may be experiencing as we try to explain God. Most theologians and philosophers, after straining every muscle of the mind in an effort to define God, have come to the conclusion that the ultimate one remains shrouded in mystery. God is not an object to be known or a problem to be solved by human intelligence. No, God is the ground of beneath our capacity to understand anything, the totality within which we live, move and have our being. In the end, religion collapses back into mysticism as it recognises that after all we can say about God, we are still surrounded by an impenetrable silence. Mysticism counsels us to honour the infinite distance that separates the finite and the infinite, to live within the cloud of unknowing. To respect the silence of the Godhead when nobody is at home. To recognise the hiddenness of God. To understand that we can only speak about God in symbolic, parabolic and poetic ways. For we are caught in a paradox called the human condition. Our spiritual instinct drives us to connect with the whole of being. But the structure of our minds, limited by the conditions of our mortality... That frustrates our desire. In truth, we cannot know enough to be either theists or atheists. We have no alternative expect, except to decide whether to trust or mistrust this encompassing mystery. It seems to me, says Sam Keane, that the best theological position is one that combines agnosticism with trust. I choose to trust the surrounding mystery out of which I emerged and into which I will disappear once more and to rest secure with the, within the darkness of the unknowable one. Faith, says Sam Keane, is dancing in the dark. We said God ten times then. I'm just, you know, this becomes relevant later. Uh, you've probably heard this story of um, a class of young children given some free time to draw whatever they want to draw. The teacher approaches one child and asks what he is drawing. I'm drawing a picture of God, the child replies. And the teacher, who clearly hasn't been on one of those positive teaching courses, replies, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And, and the child replies, well, they will do when I finish this picture. <laughs> now, I first heard this story in a Unitarian course called Building Your Own Theology. It's in a section on God. And every time I've attended or run that particular session, that particular session we've had a thoroughly engaging conversation. And I think that's down to two important points. 
The first is that we Unitarians encourage diversity rather than uniformity. Our faith is a meeting place for humanists and theists, the mystic and the rational, everything and everyone in between. And secondly, we Unitarians encourage people to speak about these matters, to articulate our faith, to bring forth from within us our own ideas, our own beliefs, our own experiences, and, and we value the independent nature of each other's views. For me, this is to be spiritually articulate, to be confident enough to seek ways of expressing what for us is true as an ongoing journey of faith rather than as a fixed point of truth to arrive at and stay with forevermore. The title of this address today, Reflecting with God, comes from another course and a book which asks us to consider how we might dig deeper into our ordinary experiences, viewing everyday challenges and delights from a spiritual perspective and asking where God might be revealed in our daily living. It provides a simple method of theological reflection and if you're finding yourself starting to doze off now, at the arrival of these words, theological reflection, don't stick around a while longer. Because we might need to clear some of the potential boulders or sticking points out of the way. If you find yourself reacting to the very term God, you are not alone. This is an allergic reaction which some Unitarians are famous for. Now, some of you were lucky enough to know Patricia Walker, long-time member and staunch supporter of this congregation over many, many years, who sadly died in 2009. And I did ask Patricia if she would mind me telling this story sometimes, and she smiled a Patricia smile and agreed. And this incident occurred after I'd only been here as minister for about six months. And Patricia exclaimed after one service... I don't know, Sarah, you've certainly had us singing a lot of hymns with God in them since you arrived here. And I teased her about this, and I asked her what she expected from a minister of religion working in a church. But we both knew what she was talking about. Some people in liberal religious communities like ours have reacted against much mainstream religious language because it felt too limiting, too tight, too fixed. Now, I actually think that in recent years, we've been engaged in a process here of reclaiming that language because I think we need such words to articulate our meaning. I don't know if any of you have come across the work of the poet David White, but I think he expresses some of these concerns well in this poem, Self-Portrait. It doesn't interest me if there is one God or many gods. I want to know if you belong, or feel abandoned, if you know despair, or can see it in others. I want to know if you are prepared to live in the world with its harsh need to change you. If you can look back with firm eyes saying, this is where I stand. I want to know if you know how to melt into the fierce heat of living, falling towards the centre of your longing. 
I want to know if you are willing to live day by day with the consequence of love and the bitter, unwanted passion of your sure defeat. I have been told in that fierce embrace, even the gods speak of God. I want to know if you are willing to live day by day with the consequence of love and the bitter, unwanted passion of your sure defeat. I have been told in that fierce embrace, even the gods speak of God. This reminds me of a time long ago now when I was sitting with my best friend, Jill, in the last few minutes of her life. And in my fear and uncertainty, I started to say again and again the Lord's Prayer that I'd been taught at junior school. And I was comforted by that. Many others have done the same in times of need. I'm sure some of you have similar tales to tell. I found one story of a around-the-world yachtsman, Robin Lee Graham, who set off, aged only 16 years old, to sail around the world on his own. Took him five years. There he was in his book, in his um, boat Dove, and he's named his book after that uh, boat. And um, he hit a terrible storm at one point. He said, "Like many people of my age, I had dismissed God and religion and all that stuff as something packaged up with stained glass windows and dreary organ music and an old man with a beard." But that night. I prayed to God, long and hard. I prayed, God, or whoever you are, please help me. That reminds me of the joke about Unitarian Universalists praying to God or whomever it may concern. But you know, the name doesn't matter, but the impulse is vital. I think it's healthy for us humans to grapple with with concepts of the divine. I think in in fancy terminology, we need some understanding of both the immanent and the transcendent. Simply the idea that there is some spark of divinity within all life, within each and every human being and all that exists, and that there is also something greater than us, however we envisage that to be be it the energy or matter of the universe itself, the very ground of our being, or a reality that is for you, God. Another word that some people find helpful is love. Substituting the word love for God. Because for them, God is love, and is a requirement of loving action in us humans. The readings that we heard earlier on of the story of God hidden in the human heart and the writer Sam Keane's beautiful image of faith as dancing in the dark remind us, I hope, that we're not the only ones struggling at times with language. But the purpose of theological reflection then is to help us to stop on a regular basis and consider our lives and struggle to articulate in language our own ideas and experiences. The author of the book and the course, Reflecting with God, Abigail Johnson, makes a useful distinction. She points out how much we tend to reflect on issues by letting them rattle around in our heads. I don't know if you have that kind of head. It it certainly speaks to mine. 
the issues that rattle around in our heads. Such reflection is random and unstructured. She offers instead a structure which we've copied um, for you today on the, the orange sheet and do take that away with you. And this is a process you can carry out on your own, but, and I've written this but in capital letters, because if you're anything like me, it's hard to make the time and to stick to the process. The course encourages people to take it in turns in a group to present their reflections to one another. Again, it is an opportunity to articulate our faith. And there are other such structures, many of them out there in the world. Many people are finding spiritual direction helpful, having a, a regular session time with someone who has been trained as a spiritual director or companion. Another practice that I know some people in our congregation follow is daily gratitude. Perhaps last thing each day, listing three things that we've been grateful for, and that could include your socks. Minister Kathleen McTeague writes that her spiritual practice consists of this. I think back on the events of the day and I ask the question, where was God in this day? It's a question that can be answered in a dozen different theological voices. And if God language fails to resonate, then we might ask merely, where today did I hear the language of my life? Where today did I hear the language of my life? This question puts a form of attentiveness and care on even the most mundane dimensions of the day. It gives us a way to cradle the moments of a day just lived and see them again before they're too far away, to notice the regrets and the failings as well as the joys. Words by Kathleen McTeague. So the message of today's service and of this course, Reflecting with God, is that there is a wondrous richness in everyday life and there is much to explore. Plato writes that his teacher Socrates spoke of the unexamined life not being worth living. And I'm not sure that I agree with that for everyone. I've met plenty of people living simply and peaceably who don't seem to need to delve much deeper in a conscious way. But people like us who turn up at church on a Sunday morning, seekers, askers of questions for which there perhaps are no answers, people like us, well, I think we do need at times to reflect with God. And it's a pleasure to be on this path of exploration with all of you. Amen. May the deeds we do with our hands and the words we speak with our lips and the thoughts we think with our minds and the things we feel in our hearts be at all times in the coming week worthy of the divine spark within us. Amen. Go well and blessed be.